Welcome to the Watershed Teaching Podcast. Watershed is the high school ministry of Perimeter Church in Johns Creek, Georgia. Perimeter Church is part of the Presbyterian Church in America. Watershed is a place where we hope high school students would connect, receive, and transform. We want to see students connect with God and others through healthy community, receive His truth through gospel-centered, grace-based teaching, and be transformed by the gospel to then go transform their world. Thank you for downloading this podcast. For more information, please visit us at www.perimeter.org slash watershed. We are in a series. We're finishing. This is our last week of Romans chapter 1. So in a series called And. And um, tonight we're talking about how the full extent of God's love overcomes. Okay? The full extent of God's love and how it has the power to overcome. Let me, I'm going to start out this morning, the, tonight by reading the text, and then uh, we're going to pray and jump right in, okay? So this is Romans 1, starting in verse 24. So therefore, God gave them up to the lust of their hearts, to impurity, to the dishonoring of their bodies among themselves, because they exchanged the truth about God for a lie, and they worshiped and served the creature rather than the Creator, who is blessed forever. Amen. For this reason, God gave them up to dishonorable passions. For their women exchanged natural relations for those that are contrary to nature. And the men likewise gave up natural relations with women and were consumed with passion for one another. Men committing shameless acts with men and receiving in themselves the due penalty for their error. And since they did not see fit to acknowledge God, God gave them up to a debased mind to do what ought not be done. And they were filled with all manner of unrighteousness, evil, covetousness, malice. They are full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, maliciousness. They are gossips, slanderers, haters of God, insolent, haughty, boastful, inventors of evil, disobedient to parents, foolish, faithless, heartless, ruthless. Though they know God's righteous decree that those who practice such things deserve to die, they not only do them, but they give approval to those who practice them. All right, let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, as we uh, dive into this uh, very difficult text, God, we pray that you would send your presence here in a very powerful way. Lord, that you would speak to us tonight by your word. And by your spirit. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. So his name was Tommy. This was several years ago at a different church that I was the youth pastor at. And Tommy had been coming to our church for a while. He's probably a junior in high school, handsome kid, super talented. And he, I would give him a ride home because he didn't have a ride to church and he didn't have a car. And I can remember as I would take him home, he started to kind of, this story of his life started to unfold in front of me. And he told me how his sister was really into the party scene and into drugs and how his mom uh, had her own issues and she would disappear for up to weeks at a time. And there was no dad in the picture. And so Tommy kind of raised himself. And 
he proceeded to tell me different struggles that he'd been having. He talked about the fact that he struggled with pornography, and not just normal pornography, but he, w- he, he felt like gay pornography was something that he was really attracted to and caught up in. And as he shared these things with me, I could tell, you know, his voice was shaking, and tears started to come to his eyes, and he told me about his church that he'd been going to, where he was majorly involved, and when he'd let anybody know what was going on and the struggles that he had, basically, they couldn't handle that. And they said, you're not really welcome here anymore. And with tears in his eyes, he looked at me, and the main question that he had for me was, was I going to reject him too? Was our church going to say, you know what, your problems are just too big for us, and you're not accepted here? You see, point number one tonight is we have an idolatry problem. All right, when we look at the text and what it has to say to us, starting in verse 24, he says, Therefore, God gave them up to the lust of their hearts, to impurity, to the dishonoring their bodies among themselves, because they exchanged the truth about God for a lie, and they worshiped and served the creature rather than the creator. See, we have an idolatry problem, right? He says they exchanged the truth for a lie and they worshiped and served the creature rather than the creator. Uh, Emilio talked last week and he mentioned in the passage right before this, it talks about how men suppress the truth of God and who he is and instead we worship idols. And of course in Paul's day he said they were idols made in the image of men and of animals and of birds and creatures that crawl upon the ground. And I don't think that we do that today. I don't think that's our problem, right? I don't see idols in most people's houses. We have a different idol that we serve, though, right? What is the biggest sin in our society when it comes up? What are we all scared of? We're scared to talk about certain things. We're scared to to pass judgment on anyone's ideas, right? Everybody has my truth, right? I've got my truth, and you better not say something against my truth. That's the biggest sin in our society, right? To have any judgment call on what anybody else wants to say or what they think. And that's because the chief end of man today is not to glorify God and enjoy him forever. The chief end of man in our society, right, is to serve himself. I have my truth, and who are you to make any claim on my life? So what's the result? If we replace all of our desires above God's. What is the result? And point number two is this, God gives us over to what we want. Verse 24 says, God gave them up to the lusts of their heart. Okay? God gives us over to what we want. It makes me think of years ago, I heard of, a, of someone, yeah, this kind of an old dad thing to do where you catch your son smoking cigarettes and you say, okay, you want to smoke a cigarette? And you give them a whole carton. Put them in a room. Here you go. Now I'll give you what, what it is that you're asking for. Right? God gives us over to the desires that we have. He gives us over to what we want. He pulls back some of the things that he has that are restraining sin in our life. And he says, this is what you want. I'm going to let you have what it is that you want. Now, we're getting ready to go into one of the main New Testament texts that speaks very plainly about homosexuality. 
And I want to be honest with you, how should I handle that? There's a big part of me that wants to just skip it altogether. I want to talk about sexuality in a general sense because it is so uh, unpopular, right, to, to preach a biblical context of this situation. That even reading the text, I have fear and trepidation as, as I go into this. I'm just being honest with you. But I think that together, we need to examine this. We need to, we need to be brave and we need to walk into this together and see what this text has to say. And so we're going to do that. Can I ask as I go into it that we not try to personalize what it says? All of us have relationships with people who are gay or homosexual or who struggle with same-sex attraction. All, some of you in this room may struggle with that. And so I'm asking you, if we can, to try not to personalize it. Let's just see what the text says, and let's try to see um, and separate the act from the person. Now, I'm not saying that if you struggle with attraction to the same sex, that it's the same thing as practicing homosexuality. And I want to point this out. Above all, your personhood is not defined by your sexuality. Hear me say that. Your personhood is not defined by that. So, let's see what the text has to say, starting in verse 26. For this reason, God gave them up to dishonorable passions. For their women exchanged natural relations for those that are contrary to nature. And the men likewise gave up natural relations for women who were consumed with passion for one another. Men committing shameless acts with men and receiving in themselves the due penalty for their error. Now, there's some very strong words that he uses to describe this, right? Um, in this text, he says it's dishonorable, and it's shameless, and it's unnatural. And that's just the plain reading of the text. It's dishonorable, and shameless, and unnatural. Now, I, don't want, I want to point this out. It's not unnatural like Frankenstein's monster or something like that. That I want to point out that simply physically... What he's saying is it's unnatural in that it goes against the basic design of the human body. If you think about it, God made perfectly men and women's bodies to correspond to each other in every way, right? Perfectly. That's a natural, it's obvious. It, it's science. It's biology, right? And so he's saying it, I think, in that context. And I'm not sure why Paul decides here to go in to homosexuality and kind of unpack it a little bit for us in this particular sin, and, and as he's describing this. I don't know if he just interacted with somebody like that um, or, or just talked to someone in that community, but I want to point out that we can't divorce this particular sin, though, from the rest of the passage. Because if you continue to read on, it says this. They were filled with all manner of unrighteousness. He's talking about, remember, idolaters. He's talking about people who have exchanged the truth for a lie. Evil, covetousness, malice, they're full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, maliciousness, they're gossip, slanderers, haters of God, insolent, haughty, boastful, inventors of evil, disobedient to parents, foolish, faithless, heartless, and ruthless. Now, I don't want you to miss the point here. There's so many lists like this of sins throughout the New Testament. And homosexuality is listed among them, but it's, it's, it's listed among all of these other sins just the same. And you know what? When I read this list, you and I are all over this list. All of these sins, when I think of covetousness, have I wanted something somebody else has wanted? 
Yeah, envy, sure. Deceit, have I been disobedient to my parents? Right, all of these things are listed right alongside. So we don't want to take one thing out and single it out. Because, let me point something out about sin. Gossip is dishonorable and shameless and unnatural. Okay? Covetousness is dishonorable and it's shameful and it's unnatural. They all seem natural because of our sin nature. But the way that Adam and Eve were created in the garden and what they were created for, they weren't created for that. They weren't created for gossip. They weren't created for covetousness or for pride. Right? All of that goes against God's design. And all sin feels natural because we're broken. So the third point that the text makes is this. Is that we deserve to die. Verse 32. Though they know God's righteous decree and those who practice such things deserve to die, they not only do them, but they give approval to those who practice them. James Montgomery Boyce in his commentary on Romans says this. He talks about mankind's rejection of God ultimately leads to mankind calling bad things good and good things bad. Don't we see evidence of this all around us in the world today that we call bad things good and good things bad? Isaiah 53 says it this way. We all like sheep have gone astray. We have all turned each one to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. You see, like sheep to the slaughter, we all deserve death. We all have committed sin and we, have, we deserve a punishment that leads to death. And apart from Jesus, we all wander our own way, right? But he says, but God laid on him, that is Jesus, the iniquity of us all. No sin, no desire, nothing in all of creation can separate us from the love of God. When you are his, his, his blood covers everything. Any kind of sin that we can talk about, the ones listed and the ones not listed. And that's why he came. He came to take our punishment and he came to take our sin. Paul says of each one of us, and each one of us could echo this in 1 Timothy 1, that Jesus Christ came into the world to save sinners of whom I am the foremost. See, Paul could look at his sin and say, it doesn't matter what I'm struggling with, I'm the worst. Each one of us could do that, right? We're aware so deeply of our own sin and the things that we struggle with. And apart from Christ, we have no hope. So what happened with Tommy? You know, he was accepted into our youth group. Eventually, he told all the guys in his small group what he was struggling with. And you know what they did? They invited him over for dinner after church to hang out with their families. Because our church was a safe place for him to struggle and to be open about the things that he was dealing with. Now, his story isn't over yet, but I will say it didn't end well, at least this chapter of his story. He ended up walking away from our church, and he walked away from our youth group because the pull of identifying his, with his sexuality was stronger than the identity of Christ. But that doesn't mean it's over for him. That doesn't mean that his story's over. So we have a couple takeaways. First one I have for you is this. 
Do we have a place like that? Is watershed a place where it's okay to struggle? No matter what you're struggling with. It could be same-sex attraction. It could be any of the sins that I listed there, right? Is, that, is, is your small group a place where it's okay for you to be you and to have hurts and struggles and to share them? Because here's the thing. In Watershed, we look around at each other, and this could be a perimeter problem in general, not just Watershed. If you look to the person at your right or your left, they may seem like they have it all together, but they don't. Every one of us is broken. Every one of us have things that we're struggling with. And God calls us to be a community where it's okay, that we can share those things with each other, that we can bear one another's burdens. The second thing is this. If you struggle, maybe, maybe you're, you struggle like Tommy did. Maybe you struggle with your sexuality in one way or another. And you're thinking, there's no way I'm sharing that in this group. I hope that you do have somebody you feel like you can talk to about it. Maybe you can talk to your D group leader. If not, talk to one of the youth leaders on Watershed staff. Talk to me. And I promise you that I'm a safe person to share that struggle with. Um, there's actually some of us that are going to get a group together. We want to create a safe space um, where we can come together and have these discussions. Because if we can't talk about it in the church, this is the place where we have to talk about it. This is your family. Okay? This is God's family. And we are going to be that kind of place. That's the kind of place I want to be. And that's the kind of group that I want to be a part of. Right? Let's pray. As I pray, the band would go ahead and make their way up here. Heavenly Father, Lord, we come to you, and this is a difficult subject. And God, it is a prominent thing in our society. And it is something that even, even reading these verses out loud is hard and difficult for me to do. And yet, Lord, your love breaks through. Your love meets us where we are. And Lord, I thank you for that. And I pray that Watershed would be that kind of place. God, that we would be the kind of place where it's okay to struggle. Where it's okay to struggle with difficult things, no matter what they are. Because you have called us to be brothers and sisters in Christ. And to share our burdens with one another. And to pray for each other. And to hold each other accountable. So God, I pray that you would do a work in this group and you would call us to be a people that are safe with our struggles, that we would, our groups would be open and not think that everybody has it all together, but that we would look and say, everybody else is struggling just like I am. So how can I be real with them and how can I share? And then Lord, help us to come around each other, to come alongside those who struggle and say, you know what? This is hard, and what you're dealing with is, is difficult, but I love you, and I am not leaving your side. Because Jesus came into the world to save sinners, and each one of us can say, I am the worst. Amen.